Hi. Hello. I am Marissa. I am a teen librarian. I am Mary. I am a mostly teen librarian, sort of, kind of. (laughs) And we are here to talk about books. What kind of books, you ask? Uh, We are here to talk about young adult, middle grade, kids books, graphic novels, audiobooks, books about LGBTQIA themes, and a whole lot more. So come jam with us. On the Book Jam. And you can follow us on Twitter at the Book Jam 1 and also send us stuff. Yeah. If you are a publisher of fine middle grade or teen books or graphic novels and you would like us to consider your upcoming awesome book, please reach out to us via our Twitter, just like Mary said, the book jam followed by the number one or our Instagram um, that I run for my library at Avon Library Teens. But Mary does run the Twitter. It's fun. It's great. So we are very excited today to talk about a whole bunch of books. Mary, what did you choose to read today? All right. So my first book is a middle grade realistic fiction with a little mystery. It's called The Insignificant Events in the Life of a Cactus by Dusty Bowling. It's pretty cool. I'll read the synopsis real quick. Uh, Avon Green loves to tell people that she lost her arms in an alligator wrestling match or a wildfire in Tanzania. But the truth is, she was just born without them. And when her parents take a job running Stagecoach Pass, a rundown Western theme park in Arizona, Avon moves with them across the country, knowing that she'll have to answer the questions over and over again. Her new life takes an unexpected turn when she bonds with Connor, a classmate who also feels isolated because of his own disability, and they discover a room at Stagecoach Pass that holds bigger secrets than Avon could ever imagine. It's hard to solve a mystery, help a friend, and face your worst fears, but Avon's about to discover she can do it all, even without arms. So yeah, so this is a pretty fun middle grade book, and so I ended up enjoying this book more than I thought I would, because like, Sometimes you open a book and you're like, great, okay, Kid of No Arms, issue book. But it was really, really good. And Avon's funny, too. And I also, I appreciate it when the parents are supportive and good. Like, her parents parents were funny. And you got, like, a lot of time with both mom and dad. So it was kind of cool. So the whole mystery is they moved to Arizona from Kansas. And, you know, part of her problem is that she's going into eighth, she's the start of the eighth grade year. And she's been with the same kids since kindergarten. So she got the awkward, why don't you have arms thing done when, when she was like five. And so these kids just know her as, as Avon. And so she's like, oh God, middle school's hard enough. And then you don't have arms. And I have to like, you know, go through all of this. And she's not like, she's very confident about herself, which is awesome. Like this book is not ableist at all, but she does talk about the challenges that have to deal with, like realistically everything with her feet so like even though she doesn't want to move from Kansas well, at least in Arizona um the weather's always warm like more ballet flats which is just so much easier when I have to like you know take my foot out of my shoe to do things which is all the time so she's constantly trying to look for the bright side of things but she's funny and so stagecoach path her dad ends up being the manager of it because they need a manager and it's basically like this run it reminded me of that rundown wild west town the Brady Bunch goes to <laughs> Like, it's just, it's not really a theme park in the sense of, like, Six Flags or, like, Disney or anything. It's just, like, this, like, small little place. And it's interesting, too, because, like, the town, I can't remember which town in Phoenix they're in. They're in a city, though. It's, like, grown up around it. 
And so there's like mine for gold. Uh, you know, there's one place where, you know, people, somebody will pull kids around in like a mine cart. Like it's just, it's, you know, there's a petting zoo with a llama that has a huge cancerous growth on his head. Um, so it's just, it's very sad. And so they're trying to figure out how to turn around. And then Avon's also trying to deal with like going to this new school. And she ends up making friends with this kid, Connor, who has Tourette's. And so he barks like a dog. And part of the reason she ends up meeting him is because she had eaten lunch in the bathroom stall because she didn't want to see anybody see her eat with her feet because she just didn't want the stares and the questions. And people had asked her, like, why don't you have any arms? But, like, nobody had actually asked her, like, oh, what's your name? It's nice to see that you're new here. Like, you know, do you want to sit with us? Like, no one had done that. And so she's feeling, like, really low. And so she meets Connor. And Connor's in the library. So, of course, you know, where do you go if you don't want to eat lunch in the cafeteria? You escape to the library. And so yes. Connor barks like a dog. And at first she thinks that he's making fun of her. And then he's like, no, I have Tourette's. And she's like, oh, well, okay. And she just accepts him for who he is. He starts hanging out at the house. He has situations too because like his parents are divorced. And he feels like it's his fault because everything's so much harder with his Tourette's. Avon's mom even gets him to go to like a, a Tourette support group and even goes with them because she's a good friend. But the, the real mystery is um, they have walked around their little stagecoach pass and there's even like an old West, like old timey museum. And even notices that there are a lot of tarantulas, which is weird. Uh, like she's like, what's up with tarantulas? And then the other thing is there are clearly some photographs that were removed and they found some initials somewhere else. And they're like, who is this mysterious person? Why were these pictures removed? And there's a locked little storage house thing in the back of the property. And she's able to kind of like get in there. And so she, she ropes Connor into it. It's basically just full of a lot of office supplies. But there's also some other stuff in there. Like they find a whole box of books about tarantulas. And which then again, what is with all the tarantulas? <laughs> so she's trying to discover the mystery of like who these, like who this missing person is and like what happened to them as her daily life goes on, you know, and things like she's really good at soccer. And her dad's like, we should try out, you should try out for soccer. And she's like, I don't want to try out for soccer because I'm new and nobody will talk to me. And he's like, well, let's see how it goes. And of course she does turn out for soccer and it ends up working out well. But all yeah. through it, you're trying to find out like, what is the, what is the story about this stuff? Because more and more clues keep popping up, but there's no answer. But it's really, really good. It's very heartfelt. It's like a, it's an easy read. And it's one of those books where it does have issues in it, but it never really like bogs you down too much mm -hmm. even really comes across as like a realistic kid too it's she's like there's a point in time of course like i think all middle grade books have to have the problem where the friends get in a fight and that does happen because yep. connor's just like don't you ever get tired of being disabled and Avery gets really <laughs> offended because she's like i'm not disabled and he's like you don't have any arms we're both disabled i have tourette's and he's like barking like as he's trying to tell her you know, all this stuff and she gets mad at him and she's just like i'm so mad at connor and her mom later on is like talking to her about it like, why are you so mad at connor and she's like she's not disabled and she's like but but you are but that's okay you just do things differently and sometimes things take you longer and yeah there are things you're never going to be able to do but that's okay it's fine you are fine how you are and so there's a lot of like really good like support and she has a really good attitude about everything too so it's it it's good. It's a good little positive read. And I found out, so this is the first book, and there's a second book called Momentous Events in the Life of a Cactus, which is um, Avon goes to high school and has to deal with that, <laughs> which I think cool. would probably still be a great, funny read. Yeah. 
I, w- I wonder if that is pitch still as middle grade or if that is aged up like in um, because of Mr. Terrupt, which so many of our, our kid readers loved when it was a Connecticut Nutmeg nominee. And then the sequels were they definitely aged up pretty fast. And it was I wonder if that still keeps her voice of where she is or if it I mean. Or does she change a little bit? I'm excited. I've had the this book to read on my To Be Read shelf for forever, since literally 2017 when it came out. But no, but I love hearing about it. And I love also disability books that are hopeful and it's not, it's like an issue book. It's like, oh, you want me to read an issue book? But this doesn't seem like an issue book. Seems kind of cool that she has this thing and let's get on with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same as like, oh, here's this LGBT book, but this kid isn't coming out because they're already out. This is a mystery with a kid that happens to be LGBT. So those LGBT issues will come up. It's the same thing. This is a kid that has a disability. So it's not like that's not going to come up in her life because she does every day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she deals with it, how she deals with it. And some days are great and some days are not great. And it's just, that's just life. That's awesome. Bouncing Back was really good. It's the whole idea of, I I want to give a sports book to a kid that wants a sports book that also actually has the sport in it and it's not a Trojan horse book. No, I get it. Do you want it to be good? Or like The Running Dream by um, Gwendolyn Van Dranen, I think it was, that won Nutmeg Award forever ago. And she super cared about making sure she got the prosthetic. Yeah. She lost, she was a below-the-knee amputee, if I remember correctly. Not the, the main character, not the author at all. But she she recognized this. She was not, she does not have the experience. And she went super thorough to talk to people about all different parts of when and you get your prosthetic right after during and like the long term and it was so well done and i think that's why it won nutmeg that year is because it was just such a real story that resonated like it's it was a sports story but it was overcoming triumph and diversity it was a disability story but it was it was just like all these things and like boys and girls like loved it, it didn't matter who you were yeah it's like yeah i like the story it's just a good story where it's not one of those it's a girl book it's a boy book cool is there anything else you want to talk about it for me on no. my book? take it away what's your book my book is also a middle grade and the main character does have arms but she has one broken arm my book is kate messner's chirp c-h-i-r-p and it came out not that long ago it came out in february before the pandemic so i'm gonna read the publisher's summary and then we're gonna get into it So this is the story of a young girl with the courage to make her voice heard set against the backdrop of a summertime mystery. So when Mia moves to Vermont the summer after seventh grade, she's recovering from the broken arm she got falling off a balance beam. And packed away in the moving boxes under her clothes and gymnastics trophies is a secret she'd rather forget. Mia's change in scenery brings day camp, new friends, and time with her beloved grandmother. But Graham is convinced that someone is trying to destroy her cricket farm. Is it sabotage or is it Graham's thinking impaired from the stroke that she suffered months ago? Mia and her friends set out to investigate, but can they uncover the truth in time to save Graham's farm? And will that discovery empower Mia to confront the secret that she's been hiding and find courage she never knew she had? So it's a compelling story, rich with friendship, science, and summer fun. A girl finds her voice while navigating the joys and challenges of growing up. This book is so quirky and fun. I already knew when I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, I have to give this to my 10-year-old niece. She lives in Vermont. I loved it so much. I will say, trigger warning, that there, uh, for those who are sensitive to... um, 
grooming or sexual harassment of children kind of thing. Quick trigger warning about that one. Kate Messner tackles some very heavy subject matters, um, but she did it correctly, I think, with this one. The subplot of the secret that, that the main character, Mia, has wasn't the main plot, but it, it kind of... It was a side plot that wove itself kind of unobtrusively throughout the book. And all of a sudden it comes out towards the end. I don't want to give things away. So if you or have experienced it or, or had someone I think you'd love to experience this topic, then I feel like you would pick up on the notes that she uh-huh. stuck in there. Um, if you're a kid who has never had this uh, issue occur to you um, of grooming or harassment, then I think think it might go over your head until later on when it's addressed. So I still feel it's very age appropriate. I would say it's grades five to eight. I think that's what most reviewers and publishers kind of say for this one. Oh, Mary, what was the grades on your insignificant events in the life of a cactus? Same idea. Yeah. School library journal has it read as five to eight. Yeah, it's that sweet spot of like it covers intermediate school and middle school, um, which again, I'm why I'm interested in seeing the sequel is for high school. So will it carry on with the audience? But back to my chirp. I loved it. It was middle game appropriate, just like your book. And there's a mystery and it's realistic. I do feel like sometimes when the readers ask for a mystery and I feel like, and it has to be set in a castle, in a fantasy world, you know what I mean? Like it's oftentimes the mystery has to be set far away and far apart. Uh, this is not that. I liked that it's a realistic mystery. The reader is not sure if something really is wrong or not, because it, or is it grandma after her stroke? Is it she kind of feeling this? And also, I love the location. It is set in Burlington, Vermont. She moves, uh, I think, from Boston to Burlington. My sister lives up in that area. I visited her so much. I could picture every place they talked about with the farmer's markets and Church Street. So I really appreciated how the setting really lent itself to the quirky fun of the book because like Vermont and Burlington is amazing. So I could picture the crickets and ice cream or pizza and it made my kind of travel starved heart very happy uh, that I could almost kind of go somewhere with a book. I did mention crickets. This is really fun because her grandma has a cricket farm, as mentioned, and it's meant for human edible crickets. You could put them in food, you can eat them by themselves. And so it's the one granddaughter that loves her grandmother so much and believes in her and what she does. And they're always like baking and cooking together, trying to figure it out. Uh, a new recipe or what they can do with it, that it's a great kind of multi-generational connection. And also it's just a fun kind of like, hey, did you know? And there's so many fun cricket eating facts in here that I feel like if I could hold an in-person book discussion of this one, I would totally be like, let's get some crickets, not from like, you know, off the street, but get some like raised in clean facilities kind of thing and see if anyone's willing to do it. The other fun thing about this book is that for a middle grade, it it definitely tackles the introduction of the idea of it's never too young or early to teach feminism to a child. If we don't teach kids what to look out for with predators or standing up for themselves, and yes, you want to respect adults, but you have your own like private space and your own privacy then how are you going to be able to address it? So I know there's a whole sense of protecting and sheltering kids, but these things are out there. So there's one kind of quote that she says in here, did you know that only male crickets make noise? Our protagonist, Mia, did not know that, but it got to her. So she wondered, and this is a quote, wondering all about those quiet females. Was it that they couldn't chirp at all, no matter what? Or were the boy crickets so loud that they never got the chance? So it's kind of taking 
seeds of an idea and it's girl she's realizing things is what Mia's doing and and it's a nice journey but it's still fun and lighthearted even though there's um secondary subplots in there to bring some depth to it with real issues and also just for fun it touches upon like viral challenges because she's trying she goes to a stem camp which is awesome she goes to reluctantly to a like american ninja warrior type camp like yeah and she keeps saying i can't do this i can't do this i have a broken arm but she kind of wants to but in the stem camp they're trying to figure out how to advertise so she eventually they figure out what if we make a chirp challenge where you can enjoy samples of their different flavored crickets and but take a picture of you doing it or a video so it kind of i just thought it was really funny that they touched upon like viralness and like the whole instagram do it for the gram culture of like yeah eat a cricket like i know that's how my teens always were they're like do it for the gram now it's like do it for the tiktok yeah to like get that social media famousness for that thing so i just like i like modern touches i know it sounds weird because some people like an evergreen kind of kids fiction which i know they might be able to get more now with historical fiction because once you introduce phones into a plot you're like oh there's no miscommunication because i could just call you a person could call b person hey the mystery solved yeah. you, were. you know what i mean it's nice to have that and have that kind of interfamily connectedness talking with parents just like with your middle grade book i really enjoyed it it's a it definitely has a summer feel to it it is set in summer so it's just a really nice fresh book to read and i enjoyed awesome that sounds great I do like that we're starting to get more uh, books on feminism as well as consent and what consent looks like and what sexual harassment looks like, because it's not always the outright big, bold thing. Sometimes it's very subtle and sometimes it's different from the sexual harassment training that you have to take for your work. Like, yeah. And yeah. especially for kids. Yeah. I know. What I was trying to get to like one- the middle screen version of yeah. sexual harassment like it looks a little bit different and it's part of it is but it's still based on that whole like how far can i go where like what can i get away with from the peer group and then of course grooming is completely different yes and for other books i know this is one i read because you recommended it to me maybe he just likes you that's what i was thinking about deep. yeah yes yes um i mean it's it, you it's such a quick read if in the sense of the number of pages and but you very much see with that one like oh how it develops like oh this one i just want to touch your fuzzy sweater are you gaslighting me like are you no no of course we're not trying to touch it's it's so it's so understandable how she breaks it down to this one girl who just what and everyone's like maybe he just likes you that's why he's doing these things and you're like wait so it's my fault and i should just be nice to the guy okay you know that kind of older thinking where maybe well let's not do that and the um the one book i actually just finished reading this morning is the brand new uh sequel to the new kid class right. act by Jer- by jerry craft I, we finally got our copies in and i was like oh i got i managed to snag one which is great we'll talk about it maybe at a future point he has new characters get the main character focus like the main narrative i think it was drew his friend is living with his grandma he has a pseudo girlfriend potentially and she like touches his hair and then another friend discreetly not so discreetly touches his hair and almost gaslights him like no no of course i didn't touch your hair and they're like it's so soft so it can go either way so it's still good that it they're showing that like that book touches on a lot of different things but just in general of like touching is it appropriate you know no always whether you're a kid a teen or an adult please ask for permission, whether it's a pregnant belly or like, Hey, can I touch your hair? You know, all these kind of things. So I'm glad these kind of topics are 
just being woven into books, whether it's the main plot or not. We need more of it in we this do. world. All right. I'm going to talk about my next book, which is um, not yes. as serious. So I read graphic novel format. It's called Fangs by Sarah Anderson. I am just going to read the publisher description. Elsie the vampire is 300 years old, but in all that time, she's never met her match. This all changes one night in a bar when she meets Jimmy, a charming werewolf with a wry sense of humor and a fondness for running wild during the full moon. Together, they enjoy horror films and scary novels, shady strolls, fine dining, though never with garlic, and a genuine fondness for each other's unusual habits, macabre lifestyles, and monstrous appetites. This was first featured as a webcomic series on Tapas. Things chronicles the humor, sweetness, and awkwardness of meeting someone perfectly suited to you, but also vastly different. This is pretty cool. A couple things I like about this, too, is that... You know, this is a webcomic that's now printed. So it definitely has the, you know, square, square, square. But sometimes publishers like do a really nice job with like the printing of the physical book. And I really am behind that. So Fangs is is really cool. So it has like one of those fabric type covers. It's very textured. The text Mm -hmm. and then there's a picture of Elsie on the cover with like Sarah Anderson. And there's like a little frame with like little like kind of almost looks like Victorian corners on it. Um, and those are like kind of set into the fabric, like it's, I guess, embossed maybe or imprinted. I don't know, but so it's, it's fun if you're like a a person that's really into like texture feels and then you flip the back and it says, I want your blood on the back cover, (laughs) but then the edge papers, um, are black. So you've got this great contrast from like the red cover to the black, um, edges, which reminded me of Lee Bardugo's Six of Crows series or duology. Because the first one, I want to say the pages are red and the book is black. And then the second one, it's the reverse. So like the edges are black and the book is a different color. Anyway, I like little touches like that because I I am one of those people. It's a really cool story because it's basically just them like meeting and deciding that they're going to date. And there's like a lot of like puns and there's bad jokes and it's just really adorable. Uh, Like they're just, I love the concept of creatures that are fantastical doing everyday things so it's very much in that vein mm-hmm. uh so like there's a funny scene where jimmy kisses elsie and then in the next panel she turns away and she's throwing up and you, you don't see her she's just bent over like Bleh. and then he's like oh right i hate <laughs> garlic like just like oh yeah i can't do that um but there's also like cute things like there's a there's a really cute scene where she's like scratching the back of his neck and you can see his leg is moving mm-hmm. When you, hmm. you get that scratch part on a dog and they're like, yeah, and they're back like, <laughs> and it's just like, you know, really cute. She's like, you know, he's like, oh, how many, how many ex-boyfriends do you have? She's like, a fair amount. I killed them all. Vampire. It's <laughs> uh, so freaking cute. And it's just, it's a really quick read too. So it's a nice read if you're just having like a bad week and you want something that's kind of Halloween spirit, but also it's just a little bit lighter that makes you feel okay about life. Fangs is that read. And I do also like how um, structurally, you know, it's not a graphic novel per se in the sense of like there's an overarching plot. Because again, this is a webcomic. So these are panels that kind of come together and tell a story, but it's not as cohesive, if that makes any sense. Because it's a different medium to a certain extent. Different storytelling yeah, narrative. Um, yeah. Not medium. You'll have sometimes you, you turn the page and instead of it being like, you know, four or five squares or like two or three squares that are telling a story... Um, within those frames, it's just one full panel. Those usually don't have words. The The art is doing all of the story. Like there's a great one I love. 
which is, um, it's at night and they're asleep in her coffin and he's turned into a wolf. And so it's just her curled up with this wolf in the coffin and it's just really adorable and sweet and it's so nice. But yeah, it's like I said, it's just a really sweet read. I really, really, really like it. Um, it's cute. Everybody should read it there. And also it's very different because Sarah Anderson is pretty well known for her Sarah Scribbles website. And there's a couple books from that one. There are Adult Adulthood is a Myth and Herding Cats and Big Mushy Happy Lump. And so those are very cartoony and pretty much what you expect from like, a, oh, this is like a cartoon type webcomic about life. Whereas this one, it's definitely like Sarah Anderson grew up. And, you know, Elsie is, she's a cute vampire girl for sure, but it's much more, um, it's much more realistically drawn, but yet still comic-y, if that makes any sense. But yeah, yeah. so I liked it. So question for you is what grade would this be for? Like how young, because I haven't actually heard, you sometimes I hear of the books you talk about, this one I've not heard about or seen yet. I would say high school, just because if you have overly sensitive parents, because they do meet in a bar and there are some scenes with them in bed. Like it's not sexual or anything. It's just them waking up in the morning or like going to bed and snuggling. So I would say high school. Cool. I mean, because when you were talking about it, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, well, the kids that read fake blood who like that funny vampire story, I'm like, well, they meet in a bar. So maybe it's a little more like Moonstruck Volume 1, Magic to Brew by Grace Ellis, which is has um, is awesome with a werewolf love story, a female-female love story. You know, a werewolf barista. I just love that in a college town, a magical college town. Um, so good to know that it's on the slightly higher end, but just a nice... Yeah, I mean, seriously, I think you could read it probably in a half hour. And it's just, it's just nice. Like I said, we're in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of horrible things are happening. Read some things that make your soul a little bit lighter. Make make yourself happy. So what's your next read? My next read also has werewolves in it, but it's is definitely not a half an hour read it's a great read this is one that i read way back in may the book was supposed to come out in may but pandemic pushed it all the way back to coming out i think it was like last month in september so it is lobezonia by romina garber it is awesome and amazing i would say this is for grade seven and up some publishers or reviewers think grade eight or even high school um but i'll get into it so i'll read the publisher summary first and then we'll get into it so, some people are illegal. Lobozonias do not exist. Both of these statements are false. Manuela Azul has been crammed into an existence that feels too small for her as an undocumented immigrant who's on the run from her father's Argentine crime family. Manu is confined to a small apartment and a small life in Miami, Florida until Manu's protective bubble is shattered. Her surrogate grandmother is attacked, lifelong lies are exposed, and her mother is arrested by ICE. So without a home, without answers, and finally without shackles, Manu investigates the only clues that she has about her past, a mysterious letter Z emblem, which leads her to a secret world buried within her own, a world connected to her dead father and his criminal past a world straight out of Argentine folklore where the seventh consecutive daughter is born a bruja and the seventh consecutive son is born a lobazon, a werewolf, a world where her unusual eyes allow her to belong. 
As Manu uncovers her own story and traces her real heritage all the way back to a cursed city in Argentina, she learns it's not just her U.S. residency that's illegal, it's her entire existence. This book is amazing. I I was so excited to talk about it to my teens. I had to be like, oh, this, when I read it in May, I'm like, this book is amazing, but it won't come out till August, so sorry about it. It's great. I did watch like an interview with the author, Romina Garber, when the book first came out. It was super awesome. She is an Argentine-American herself, and she uses folklore to highlight the struggle of undocumented immigrants. So if someone's into fantasy, this book is for them. If you like contemporary issues with undocumented immigrants, this book is for you. If you like the magical hidden world, this book's for you. As a reference point, book recipes, if, if you're a patron who comes into my library... And the quickest way for me to explain what a book is like is to give you, you know, read-alikes or a book recipe. Like this book is like Diary of a Wimpy Kid plus Fake Blood, you know, or something kind of to tell you this is plus this. And hopefully it's a touch point that you could recognize at least one of the books. Um, so this one is often compared to like, it's like the magical hidden world of Harry Potter meets Twilight because of the werewolf part. And we just had our book discussion with my teens on uh, a couple of days ago and they, they were here for it, for the discussion. They were into it. We got into the theory of like Punnett squares, genealogy, recessive genes, werewolf, witch genes in the science on the fantasy. They were so into it. They were like, we need more LGBT side plot. We need it to be the main. They were just so passionate about it. I was so proud of my little teen librarian. I, um, but they were very much against the Harry Potter and Twilight yeah, reference. Yeah, I was about to say, this it. book sounds um, uh, deeper than Twilight and not at all like Harry Potter. It's a reference point, but the hidden magical world of one and the the werewolf society that you have to keep all outsiders apart. And that, yes, there is a romance. Like literally that's like, the touch point. This book is great because it has mystery. It's a mystery of your family, who you are, the background, the father is a literal question mark. We don't know. When Manu is left on her own, she has to figure out like what happens. And since she's in Miami, she ends up getting some clues. She follows someone that looks like her because she not only the reason she's had to be like secluded and kept inside an apartment almost all of her life, besides the father's mysterious, like possibly crime, bad family is that she actually has stars for eyes. Like she has star pupils and she always has to wear sunglasses even at night. So that marks her. So in, in the time when you want to blend in and you don't want to stand out, especially if you're undocumented. So she eventually finds her way to the Everglades and finds a connection with her past in the magical land and finds out she might actually belong. But the other thing is, is that she, it's a fantasy that echoes today's world because when immigrants are seen as other, injustice seems to be for the privilege People aren't illegal or undocumented and Manu shouldn't exist, but Manu is seen as illegal in our normal world. I'm really illegal. We talked about this in discussion. I played devil's advocate and I was like, how is Manu illegal? And I was so proud of them because they saw where I was going. And they're like, she's not illegal. She's undocumented. And I was like, thank you. And they did that. So she doesn't belong to either world in the human world or in the fantasy world. And that's that kind of immigrant feeling of all the things at once of who are you, which world do you belong to? Well, it's actually, I belong to both. As you discovered, you have feet in both worlds. Also, this book is great if um, because it uses Spanish so much, and it will also give an English translation beneath it for those that do not speak Spanish, but just that was important for her to use Argentine folklore and to put so much Spanish in there. And if you like book references in books, she definitely quotes and references Gabriel oh, Garcia Marquez. I, we yeah. got this last month when it came in, and 
like my coworker put it on like a front facing display. I keep walking by it because the cover's great. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what that, I wonder what that's about. But I have some like book committee responsibilities I'm trying to finish up. And I'm like, not yet. Not yet. So you're just like <laughs> really priming me to go read this book when I can. You should definitely read this book when you can. I have I made sure we bought two copies on the shelf. Um all my teens we the book we read last month for our book discussion was like the worst book in the world. The book we've just read, Lobazonia, they were like, Oh my god, thank you, Miss Marissa. I was like, I know, I, I purposely made sure that we saved it a good book for October. And they just connected to it so much. Many of my teens or allies or identify as queer in some way or another. And they just love this book. And they already were like rewriting, like this part could be bigger. And I, but it's just such a great book for, because I have a lot of teens that like realistic. I have a lot of teens that like fantasy. This one actually combines both. And it has a romance plot. I will say it does have a romance. But there's good side plots and good, great side characters that you just root for. And Fun fact, in that interview that I, I saw with um, the author, Mina Garver, she was curious and she looked up the superstition that, oh, seven sons really are considered to be werewolves, potentially, and seven daughters are witches for Bruja, say the Brujas are the witches and the Lobazones are the werewolves. And this kind of takes that and twists it because, again, the Manu, the main character, is illegal. You find out a bunch about her history. And I will say there is, is going to be a sequel, but the bad thing I told my teens is that it's not due out until August 2021. So I'm like, I'm sorry you read this great book and you have to wait so long for a sequel. But it it's a fun romance thing. I think, and I know publishers said grade eight or grade nine. I do think grade seven could read it because I did have seventh graders that read it and, and loved it. And it wasn't to this or to that. They just, they really connected with it. I will also say, I really, really loved, this is a weird thing to mention, but her like menstruation, like in PMS is a huge plot point in this book. In the very beginning, like the very, very beginning, you find out she take her mom gives her a pill every month to that makes her like pass out for the three days or so that she has her period. And it's a plot point later in the book. I don't want to give anything away, but we it's it's just kind of again normalizing talking about menstruation and that it's not a secret hidden thing, people. It's okay. So we didn't have any boys sign up for this discussion, which I was excited if they did. I was like, oh, we could talk about it some more. But again, it's all part of the normalization. It happens. It's all part of the world, people. But it was really nice that, that it was again, it was present. Like I know we've read a lot of other books where it, they're just mentioning it more and just making it more normal to to mention it like the one graphic novel go with the flow and that's not fantastical at all yeah that's great this this is a definitely on my to read list now and i hope it's on other people's now after listening to you talk about it because it's so cool there's so many hidden things and so many so i just can't quite tell you about because i don't want to give you spoilers so hopefully you feel enticed enough to read it i know my library has multiple copies i think we own it also on uh, digital books i would love people to read this i was Jesse tried to feature it a lot during Hispanic Heritage Month, which was um, middle of September to middle of October. We just came out of that, but it's just a great read for adults and teens. Do you have a question for us today? Yes. Do you have a question for us, Mary? Do you prefer physical books or digital books, galleys, arcs, when you read a book? I say that a lot because we read it. A lot of times we're sent books ahead of time before they're published and it's arcs or galleys. Yeah, I read a lot lately i didn't used to normally like i just get arcs from either you or like my coworker who does a lot of book reviewing usually i just get a physical copy which is fine and i love that the only thing about arcs that can be kind of frustrating is that they can pile up but usually i'm giving them to kids in the library or like you know i'm just really careful with the book and it becomes a summer reading prize 
So that's not really a problem. The other part about it is like, I've been getting them digital lately and which is fine because I have a, like a Kindle. So I can just send it to my Kindle and it's, it's fine to read. But also sometimes just, and this isn't really so much about a digital versus a physical arc, but just a digital versus a physical book. Sometimes like I'm the kind of person I, I do like to hold the book. I will be, I will admit that. Um, but at the same time, if I have to deal with an e-copy, I will. But the problem I have, like Overdrive drives me nuts because it doesn't really give you the page numbers. It tells you percentage. And I hate that so much. Like it just, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, my brain just doesn't, doesn't like it. Whereas like, I'm just like, just let me know what page number I'm on. Whereas like Hoopla does that. And I think when I'm reading Kindle, it does that, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Or maybe that one does percentages too. I can't, if you give me the choice between doing a graphic novel in like an e-format versus physical, I will take physical every time over that because I do graphic novel reviews and sometimes I have to deal with the PDF that I get from a publisher. I'd rather read it mm-hmm. on, I'd rather read it like physically. So like part of the reason I bought my Chromebook, which is a two-in-one tablet keyboard thing is to that way, because it's a 10 inch. So if I'm, if I'm reviewing, I can see the whole page and I don't have to squint because my Kindle's a seven inch. So that was a whole problem. So, and if you have the physical copy, you don't have these problems. It's just the right size that it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, it is. I kind of fully agree with you on all the things. I'm very much a tactile person. I love holding the book. I love feeling where I am in the book. You can see that you're 80% in the book. You know, the big climax is probably about to happen. So I, I prefer physical over over digital. But I do, I do appreciate that now with COVID-19, a lot of publishers are, some I was talking to last week were saying that they might not be doing as many physical arcs or, you know, preview copies before a book is published, which makes me very nervous and sad. But on the opposite side, they're being very free and open with allowing librarians and and teachers and reviewers to get copy to digital books uh, via NetGalley or Idlewise, which are free accounts you can get. There's different age limits and restrictions. And if you're a blogger, they, you know, it's, please don't abuse this or sell it. That's They don't want that. But since there's always so many books to read, I, I feel having a physical book is more of a mental mark in my head of like, Oh yeah, I want to read that book. But when it's digital and then we'll have like school library journal happen, which happened last week or so. And all of a sudden I'm like, I just asked for 13 eBooks. And I'm like, Oh no, now I have 13 eBooks that I have to read, but they aren't, but they it just don't exist so much in my brain of like, Oh, you have to read that first. Like a physical book is though. I agree with you with the graphic novel. I always prefer physical, but I would take a graphic novel um, review, digital review copy over a regular review copy, a digital one, because like graphics, you can pinch in, pitch out, but like at least the fast read versus sometimes I get a, a wonky formatted yeah. um, ebook or e-galley that I'm like, oh, I'm on page 80 million and it's, it's, it's weird format and like it's got weird spacing. And I'm like, but this is the only way I can read this book. So if you really want to read a book, obviously, you know, I'll do what I have to do to read that book that I've been waiting for, that sequel or that hotly anticipated book. But I get it. Like, I think it's, and I, when I worked in the bookstore, people would be like, e-readers, you know, they're all cranky about it. They're like, I want the smell of the book. I love the benefit that I can give it to my teens. Like you said, um, the right teen, the right book. I can give, I can use it as a summer reading prize. We never put it in our collection because it's not a finished book. But often if I love the book, I'll buy one or two or more copies from my library because I'm like, oh no, I've read it. I love it. And I'm going to book talk it a ton through book talk videos or on the podcast. I'm like, I know demand might actually be there. I know it's costly to print up versus digital, but I think, I still think the benefit is there in physical. I think it's still, 
it edges out as the winner versus yeah. digital. It's a difficult situation for right now, just with the pandemic. But yeah, I mean, I just finished an arc last week that I really liked that I can't talk about until we get closer to April. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. But um, yeah, like it's, it's yeah. So the, I do love that like with the arc, a lot of times I'm just like, I click it and then all of a sudden, like, you know, I get an email a day later and it's like, oh, you can get your book as opposed to like, oh, are they going to send this or not? Um, I don't know. Uh, so there is the immediacy of it that I like, but you know, it is, it is what it is, I guess you could say. We appreciate all their hard work. And I mean, it's got to be a really hard time to be an author because usually if you're a debut author, you're like, all right, great. I'm going to go on the road and do all these book events and book signings and shake a ton of hands and like probably get like not con crud, but just I'm sure it's like book tour crud of sickness. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's also, I don't want you to get sick, but now you're like, oh, I haven't left my house and, and, and my book has come out. Like, I think I was, um, I was listening to a webinar and I think Stone uh, talking about her new book, Dear Justice. And she's like, great, I have a new book out and I haven't really left my house. But she's doing a ton of, of webinars and going on different publisher things. Like She is busy and active, but just not leaving her house about it, which is insane to me. But it's just the time that we have now, which is so weird. But I totally get that like, hey, whatever I have to do to get the physical book, the ebook, you got to promote yourself. So it's like, it's a hard time for authors. All right. I think that wraps us up for today. Don't forget to like us and follow us. Yeah. So you can, you can find us pretty much anywhere now. Like if you listen to Spotify, you can just follow us there. Um, If you do Apple music, you know, rate us, (laughs) please, hopefully well. Follow us on Twitter at bookjam one and ask us questions we have stickers we can send you so if you want a sticker we'll mail you a sticker yeah. all you gotta do is say hey i want a sticker and and give us your address and we will do that so i think that's pretty much it for us yeah so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the book jam you just got jammed <laughs>